This week on Rotten or Righteous, we ask the question. All right, who's going to do it? Trevor? Trevor? You haven't done it in a while, bro. You going to do it this time? All right, bro. All right, take a knee, close your eyes. Let's listen up. Shut them peepers. Go ahead. back to the Rotten Righteous podcast, the podcast equivalent of a washed-up child star from the early 90s. With me today is a man who is just a hardback pew Bible, Luke Taylor. Luke! Also with Luke, he likes to dress up like the Apostle Peter and woo women in Aramaic, Scott Judge. Peace and blessings. Can you give us a taste of that? Some of, of your Aramaic? seductive Aramaic. Let me sneeze. And me, well, I'm a petulant narcissist with intimacy issues stemming from a robbed childhood where my every whim was met with instant gratification. I'm Zach Geiler. Hey, Zach. I you can know, confirm If you say that. true things about yourself when you do these introductions, people may think they're true about Luke and I, too. That's true. But uh, uh, I do want to explain, for the first time ever since we've been doing these stupid introductions, uh, I didn't give Luke... An introduction that had anything to do with the movie. Instead, I gave Luke an introduction that had everything to do with this week's two Be Like Christ uh, episode, where Luke narrated a five-minute-long video explaining why it's okay to be a hardback Bible. King James only. <laughs> I honestly thought it was pretty good, but uh, well, thanks. I do want to volunteer my talents for you next time you have something like this. I would be more than happy to do the narration. Because you may be pretty, but my voice is so much better than yours. <laughs> I might take you up on that. You know, this is kind of sad right now for me because I think you're right. You've got the voice. Luke's got the pretties. What am I left with? Diabetes. Nothing. <laughs> Sitting here with diabetes. You're going to have a nice voice. Luke looks pretty. I'm losing a foot. <laughs> Life is not fair. Speaking of Scott losing a foot, I have to tell Luke this story because it is the best thing that happened to me and Scott this week. Um, <laughs> Scott, I came up with an idea at the end of preaching school that we should get class ranks, just as a joke. And uh, the problem is we couldn't find a manufacturer for these rings. I think you have to have like a minimum of like 10 orders before they're willing to actually make the ring. But then Scott, a few weeks ago, found a manufacturer and got himself a West Virginia School of Preaching 2016 class ring. And on one side, he has prayer hands for some reason. Uh, but that's not the I funny part. a lot of time praying. And the other part is a, is a Bible. Now, Scott sent me a picture of this Bible, and I zoomed in on it, and instead of Holy Bible, the Bible on the side of his ring simply reads, Bible Bible. <laughs> Do you have this ring at this moment, Scott? Yeah, I have it up. Can you see it? Bible Bible. No, nice. no, I'll yeah. show you. I'll show it to you. I'll show you the picture of it. It does say Bible Bible. <laughs> yeah, it does. It took me about 13 
milliseconds for me to notice that. <laughs> Let me tell you what, unless you got like a microscope or a, a, a telescope, you're not going to be able to see that just from the naked eye from four foot away. But you'll know it's there. And in your heart, I, I'll know you know it's there. that you have the Bible Bible on your finger. I do. I do. What version of the Bible you, you preaching from, preacher? Bible Bible. Bible Bible. Let's get into the movie. This week we watched the Dallas Jenkins directed 2016 faith-based dramedy, The Resurrection of Gavin Stone. (sighs) (laughs) Did anyone else enjoy this movie quite a bit? A little bit. I don't know about quite a bit. It. I, I, I will I say did. that of all of the Lifetime movies that you've made me watch, this is the best. That I've made you watch. <laughs> that you, no, I agree that with that. Your that wife is, and my wife made me watch. It, it is the best Lifetime movie we've just, seen yet. Look, I, I texted, I finished watching it today, and I texted Scott about halfway through the movie, and I said, all right, let me predict the ending for you. And I hit every single major plot point that was going to happen by halfway through the movie. It is so by the numbers. We've watched this movie a hundred different times just with different actors. It's it's just reversed because it's the guy who all the events are occurring to rather than a woman who's, you know, leaving the small town to go pursue That's her true. career. It's just flip-flopped. Right. All right. Well, so, hey, can I can I read this, Zach? This is, this is Zach's words verbatim in about 10 to 4. Let me guess. I haven't finished yet. But Gavin has a change of heart and shows up just in time to play Jesus. Then he gives <laughs> up Hollywood to work in Doug's garage, and he and Kelly live happily ever after. He said, how close am I? I said, well, you're close. <laughs> I mean, everything except for Doug's garage, but I guarantee if there's a ascension of Gavin Stone movie, uh, uh, it will have him working at Doug's garage. He was going to have to me, get a job let somewhere. Let me read so. his response, which would have made this movie out of this world. And I quote Zach Geiler, just once, I want one of these movies to end like real life. Gavin goes back to Hollywood and forgets about Masonville, and they play as a subpar community church passion trash thing, and Gavin gets rich and famous, and Kelly marries the Quaker. <laughs> that would Let's be, be honest, heartless. I would watch it. That would be much more realistic to how life really happens. No one would watch it. Maybe it would be dreadful. That bad. Nobody would have their escape. So, anyways, the movie begins by reminding us that for some reason, World Wrestling Entertainment produced this movie. I, I, I don't have any clue why, but they did. Because uh, when I think Christianity, I think WWE. Just, I wasn't allowed to watch that because it was so unchristian. Uh, hey, I just looked this up. Shawn Michaels is many things: a WWE legend, an actor, and a devout Christian. Okay, is is he the one that so, played Doug? He's he's the guy that was in the garage. Doug. His name's <laughs> yeah. Doug. Doug. So after Doug. being reminded that this movie is in fact produced by the World Wrestling Entertainment uh, franchise, we see a spoof of a Hollywood gossip show in the vein of Entertainment Tonight. We meet the titular Gavin Stone as the program does a Where Are They Now segment. Gavin got his start on a generic 90s sitcom called Family Life, playing the young Cliffy. 
And who could forget Cliffy's famous catchphrase? Luke? Don't ask me! Nope. Luke's oh. chance. I... What was Cliffy's catchphrase? Oh, was that that catchy. It was, don't look at me. That's right. It was, don't look at me. Which is my catchphrase and how I start every sermon. While Gavin's manager, Jack, was able to turn that catchphrase into some merchandise and even a few movie deals for the young star, that all changed when tragedy struck. When Gavin's mother passes away, he was granted emancipation from his father and used his freedom to get involved heavily in drugs and partying. Soon the rising star crashed and burned. And after several arrests and stints in rehab, Gavin Stone has burnt most of his Hollywood bridges and has remained off the public radar for some time. We are then taken to Masonville County or to the Masonville County's Sheriff's Office in Indiana, where we hear Gavin's manager tell the star that his latest stunt had landed him in some hot water. Apparently, Gavin wrecked the roof of a hotel with a catapult. I don't know. But he now has to serve Sounds like a good time though. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to wreck a hotel roof, uh, you might as well have a catapult. <laughs> but I mean, now, who amongst us wouldn't be on top of a hotel if it had a catapult? Can you imagine the things you could launch down at oh. the unsuspecting bystanders? I just want to know. Bowling balls, toilet what, paper, What hotel people. is, I just want to know what hotel is in a small community like Masonville, Illinois, that has a rooftop hotel that you could get a catapult upon. I don't think he was in Masonville when that happened. He he was in the sheriff's office. What he got? He got. He was up in Chicago, Chi Town, shooting flaming bags of dog poo with a catapult at the <laughs> at the Sears <laughs> Tower. You were trying to say that. <laughs> and then the that Mason, would be a probation worthy party. And then the Masonville County Sheriff's like, I got this. Let me take him into custody. Well, they had to send him back to his. Uh, what does that call it? Like his, his, uh, whoever had custody of him because he was clearly not responsible. So that ended up being his dad. Yeah, I just right. his I mean, dad. yeah, if they didn't do that, then the movie wouldn't have happened. Correct. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, I, I really worry that we've corrupted Luke Taylor. He just weighed probation or catapulting fiery doggy poo off a hotel and he said probation would be worth it. Some things, you know. <laughs> would be worth a little community service. First of all, no, that has been Luke forever. Luke is very careful with his words, but if you if you are persistent enough with a stupid enough action <laughs> or or prank, he, he he jumps aboard pretty easily. He doesn't take too much persuasion to get old Luke Taylor to do something stupid. I know not so, of what you speak. Okay, so Gavin, because of his catapult on the hotel, has to serve 200 hours of community service. And he's given the choice of being a maintenance worker at a local church building or working in sewage cleanup, to which Gavin responds, is there a difference? Which I I, I appreciate. This is the second solid fecal matter-related joke that I have watched directed by Mr. Jenkins. Mr. Jenkins has his finger on the pulse of poop jokes. And he's not afraid to pull the trigger. <laughs> Are there any in the chosen? Oh yeah, Matthew. Oh yeah, Matthew. Stuff. Yeah, he. Uh, I forgot he, about that. Doesn't he tell Matthew? <laughs> he calls him a big pile of dung. It turns out that Masonville is Gavin's hometown, 
and he's appalled at the prospect of spending another minute in this town, let alone 200 hours of community service. But his manager and lawyer tell Mr. Stone that he really doesn't have a choice. Gavin does choose eventually to work at the church building, and then his manager tells Gavin to patch things up with his dad so the former star has a place to stay. Gavin Stone is then taken from the jail by his lawyer and driven through the picturesque small town that is Masonville. Along the way, Gavin tries and fails several times to leave a message to a producer of a new program and was the producer of his show when he was a child, a man by the name of Mike Mira. After failing to get through to Mr. Mira, a defeated-looking Gavin is dropped off in front of his father's home. When Gavin enters the house, we meet his dad, who has apparently retired from being the janitor on the show Scrubs, and is no longer married to Patricia Heaton on The Middle. What I'm trying to say is that the actor that plays Gavin Stone's father is none other than Neil Flynn, but I didn't know him by that name, and I don't think anyone does, other than the fact that he plays the janitor on Scrubs, and uh, so I learned his name just for this summary. And you, and you say that Rotten or Righteous isn't educational. Now you know that the janitor on Scrubs' real name is Neil. <laughs> wow. Anywho, the janitor, I mean, the dad is sawing something when Gavin walks in the house. And, and Gavin awkwardly says hi to his father, who immediately responds to his estranged son, Are you in trouble? Thus begins an awkward conversation where Gavin finally admits that he needs a place to stay while completing his community service. After being assured that Gavin is clean, the janitor, I mean, the dad, agrees to let his son stay. It turns out the janitor, I'm going to keep doing that, the dad has never changed a thing from Gavin's old room when he was a kid. As Gavin checks out his race car clad previously owned domicile of infancy. That was the worst sentence I have ever said in my entire life. Domicile of infant infant infancy. Uh, as Gavin checks out his old room, his dad lays down the law for his prodigal son. He says, I don't have maid service. This isn't the Motel 6. If you come home late, we don't leave the light on for you. To which Gavin probably responds, seeing as he was a Hollywood star, what in the world is a Motel 6? <laughs> don't they have all those down in Kentucky? No, they have Motel 6, but the, the, the point was is his status a as a star. celebrity means that he's probably not staying in the, in the oh. Motel 6s <laughs> as he's traveling around the country. He might be. He's washed up. That's true. I wouldn't trust a Motel 6 to put a catapult on the roof anyway. I stayed in a Motel 6 one time, and I, I honestly have to say it was... It lived up to all of the like disappointment that I was prepared for. It was like the worst, the worst place I'd ever stayed. And I'm not like picky when it comes to hotels, but this, it was terrible. It was terrible. I'm pretty but sure it lived I... up to your expectations. So what you're saying is Motel Six, it didn't let you down. It did not. Motel well, Six's it... slogan should honestly be: "We'll leave a normal light on for you if you promise not to turn a black light on for us." <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> oh man, I used to stay in a Motel Six when I was in Columbus. Yeah, <sighs> I need to there go is shower. A nice hotels somewhere in Columbus. Yeah, but it was cheap. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, I think I stayed at a Motel 6 two years ago at Freed. There was like a gunshot. Oh, yeah. There was like a gunshot (laughs) hole in the middle of the door. I had to shove one of the extra flat pillows underneath there to keep the draft in because it was like 20 degrees outside. Uh, Good times, good times. (laughs) But Gavin is also given the use of the truck that his dad had bought for him for his 16th birthday. The truck that Gavin turned down wanting to buy himself a Corvette instead. And it's said like that's a negative thing, but if I'm a, a child star and I have all the money in the world, why wouldn't I buy a Corvette? That was like, a why, cool truck, though. No, why, couldn't I have, you, why couldn't you have taken the truck and then bought the Corvette? Right. I liked the truck. No, his, the truck Although was, if awesome. I was six, If I was 16, though, and I had the choice between the two, I'd probably choose the Corvette, too. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying. I would choose the truck over the Corvette now, but at 16, I'm not going to turn down a vet. I when still I wouldn't 16... choose the truck over the Corvette. Have you seen the new 2020 Corvette? It's nice. Kid me? Have you seen the new 2020 Ford Bronco? I don't want a Corvette. Uh, I want the Bronco. You're on the Bronco bandwagon. Dude, I've been on the Bronco bandwagon ever since the innocent O.J. Simpson drove one away. <laughs> <laughs> they're okay, but I mean, they're not. They're I don't not like the new ones. I really don't. You don't the like the new Corvettes? Are, the new ones are bad. The new the new Bronco is bad. Oh, it looks so cool. Here, let me ask I mean, you a question. It wasn't OJ though. driving, it was his friend. I know, I but OJ had name. a gun to his head and promised to kill himself. So, I mean, he was innocent, guys. That's what innocent people do. Um, a bloody fingerprint on the fence post was just an accident. The glove didn't fit. You have to acquit. To acquit. I'll tell you what fascinates me the most about the O.J. Simpson trial. Can you imagine being such a pariah that the car company that makes the model of car that you drive just says, yeah, we're not going to make that anymore. (laughs) Yeah, we're done. I just can't imagine being so bad. I mean, Hitler owned a Volkswagen Bug and they still make those. (laughs) finally as this awkward conversation comes to a close gavin asks his father if he's ever been to masonville bible church to which his dad tells him that he goes to as many church services as gavin does to which i responded that really doesn't answer the question does it yes it does hey no here here's a perfect example um uh hey zach do you know where world harvest church is well, seeing as I've lived in Canal Winchester my entire life, I sure do, even though I've never stepped foot in the building. <laughs> hey, do you know where David's Presbyterian Church is, Zach? Well, I'm not a Presbyterian, but here, let me tell you exactly where this building is. I've driven past it 400 times. Well, he never leaves the house. Right. I just think it's dumb that because this guy doesn't go to church, he doesn't know where certain things are in his town that he grew up in. Yeah, he's, he's got busy. this animosity and resentful anger toward his son. It's his way of getting a little dig in there. Uh, 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 the next morning, Gavin wakes up bright and early and drives a beautifully restored 1950s baby blue Ford pickup to the church building. And the fact, again, that he turned this truck down proves to me personally that, more than anything, this man is a monster. It is a beautiful truck. Uh, I, I would, it is nice. I would be more than happy to be seen driving that around. 
But he walks into this mega community church building and sees a few programs that were going on, mainly a prayer circle and a kid's breakfast program. And Gavin is looking for the pastor when he finds a man tinkering with a water heater. Turns out that the man tinkering is the pastor, who immediately recognizes Gavin Stone, not from TV, but from his rap sheet. Gavin remarks that he didn't think pastors fixed their own water heaters, to which the pastor responds, well, then I guess you haven't met many pastors. Guys, um, I haven't met many pastors either, to be honest, uh, but I've met quite a few preachers. Not one of them has said, man, can you believe how many water heaters we have to fix? Well, you apparently haven't worked at the right place. <laughs> they, You know, they could have pulled this off maybe if the church wasn't like a megaplex. Exactly. It's like one of the nicest churches I've ever seen. And he's like, oh man, I have to do my own maintenance here. No, well, shut up. Yeah, and then the pastor remarks, well, at $30 an hour, it's always better to do it yourself. Number one, where is he getting these $30 plumbers? Because I have some work that I would love <laughs> to pay somebody $30 an hour to do. And number two, the man's office is about the size of the entire building that I work in. I am 100% sure that they could afford a real plumber to go in there and do some tinkering. Yeah. We weren't buying it, and they shouldn't have been selling it. You can't paint this pastor as this down-to-earth type of guy while he is sitting in that building. It doesn't, it's not believable. Therefore, the movie stinks. Don't watch it. No, I'm not. Let's go back talking about something fun. (laughs) I'm not saying that. I'm just making fun of the fact that that they were truly trying to say, man, look at this down-to-earth guy. First of all, it was one small, like, private water heater that you'd find in somebody's house. This building is the size of the Smithsonian. It's... Maybe bigger. It's humongous. That water heater maybe would cover a sixteenth of this building. Don't tell me they don't have giant water heaters somewhere in the basement. Second of all, I'm pretty sure that the the congregation I serve wouldn't trust me to fiddle with the water heater. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) They they must have such a big building because they're so frugal. And their pastor has to do all the maintenance. Because when I walk into a a church building and see a ceiling that isn't stained glass or cathedral-esque, but still is about five stories tall, and a coffee bar and an information center, I go, man, look at the frugality of this place. (laughs) They sure do pinch pennies around here. Hey, I I told somebody one time, if you're dependent on me for your plumbing needs, you have made a grave error. I mean, seriously, I've, I've got... I've got to put a new sink in in the weeks to come. If you if you know a thirty dollar plumber, let me know. I'll hire him for <laughs> several hours. Hey, you build a pulpit though. Yeah, that's true, but the pulpit doesn't have plumbing. That's where you messed up. Right. <laughs> Next pulpit I what build. What are you doing, Zach? Yeah, I'm using a bathroom. Next pulpit I build is gonna have a urinal. Which, can we real quick just that just made me ask questions completely off topic? Why no. aren't there urinals in homes? It's a great question. Probably just cost. What do you like a urinal? I would. Yeah. I'm just It'd saying. Be if so I ever, much easier. If I ever build my own house, I'm gonna put a urinal in the master bathroom. I don't care. And I'm going to put a bidet in there. They're coming around America's side. It's nice. It's nice to clean yourself up with a little bit of water. Get yourself a bidet. Nah, I'm not doing a bidet. 
<laughs> the other oh. day, I had to replace the toilet seat here at the building. Well, I guess I do do maintenance stuff. Never mind. Hey, uh, Luke, he just said doo-doo. <laughs> but I was replacing the toilet seat in the women's restroom down here because uh, the, all the lights in the boys' restroom down here, it's just a one-holer. Uh, they burn out. So I was using the women's because they still had lights in there. And I sat down on the toilet, and when I did, I heard something crack. And then I just started to slowly slide forward off the toilet, toilet seat and all. <laughs> did you hit the floor? Uh, oh, yeah. As the pastor and Gavin get to know each other, the pastor assures Gavin that the church is big and he can fly under the radar. No one even needs to know that Gavin is there for community service. You see, this this congregation is big on second chances, but they are not to be taken lightly. 200 hours means 200 hours, the pastor says. And you're not going to pull one over on him, Mr. Stone, so don't even try it. Next thing we know, Gavin finds himself mopping a woman's restroom. When in walks in a no-nonsense woman who is wound so tight a snare drum looked at her and told her to loosen up a bit. You can just see it in her face. Yeah, because it's held oh, it, taut by the, the world's tightest ponytail. Yeah, those pursed <laughs> lips and the kind of eye rolls once in a while. Her and, her ponytail oh. was so tight, her follicles, you could hear them scream. Yeah. <laughs> her name's Kelly, by the way. After berating, after Kelly berates Gavin for mopping the bathroom without putting a sign on the door, she then rejects Mr. Stone's attempts to take her out. All right, so Gavin is not one to notice that this poor woman needs to pee, so we should probably get out of the bathroom. And instead of vacating the area, Gavin sees that Kelly is carrying a bunch of scripts and offers to help her with whatever she's got going on. Later on, Gavin is walking past the auditorium and notices that they're holding auditions, you know, typical church activities. This reminded me of my days in, uh, in theater. Good times. Did it, did it remind you of your days in, in church? Because it sure didn't to me. I can't tell you the number uh, of times I walked in my church building and saw them holding auditions. So, Gavin asks the pastor if maybe he could spend some of his community service hours helping them put on this typical, totally normal church play. And uh, uh, the pastor says that the only way Gavin could do that is if he's a believing Christian, because it's one of their ministries. <laughs> Sorry, that was just the most ridiculous thing I've said. Uh, 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 but the good news is, Gavin says that he is one. And the pastor Excellent. is skeptical, as all good pastors should be when somebody says that they're a Christian. <laughs> That's your advice. <laughs> that was my ironic... My ironic... Uh, <laughs> Because that's what I do. Every time someone comes in and goes, I'm a Christian, they come to church and, you know, oh, really? Huh. <laughs> Took me aback. <laughs> Prove it. Gavin says that he's been a Christian for a while. He's even had the passion of the Christ for a few years, which I think is pretty embarrassing seeing as that movie came out in 2004. <laughs> I've had the passion of Christ at least for, I mean, going on 20 years. I have it on Blu-ray and DVD. I like that line. I thought it was funny. I know. I did too, but I also thought my line was pretty funny too. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> now, that, now that was funny, Luke. That was good. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think it was funny at all. 
The pastor tells Gavin that he can audition as long as the child star is willing to give his testimony. No problem, Gavin says. He's done that plenty of times. <laughs> that was a good but joke, not. too. It was. <laughs> I, I liked that one. And he's a bit nervous when he learns that uh, the testimony he's given in court is not the kind that they uh, want him to give in church. <clears throat> no after... one's going to swear him in. He's not going to have to put his hand on a Bible Bible. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and not the truth? Another This this whole scene has some pretty good moments. For example, uh, after he, he does a quick Google search on what a Christian, or what a Christian testimony is, he walks up and tells the stage manager that he's here for Jesus. And she goes, yeah, me too. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm I'm here to audition for the role of Jesus. And oh, oh, the, oh, the audience is just supposed to laugh and laugh at that. And I did. I chuckled. So Gavin gets up and says his testimony. And I quote, Hi, everybody. Um, as you probably already know, my name is Gavin Stone. What you probably didn't know is that I'm a Christian. I wasn't until a few years ago when I hit rock bottom and just felt something missing. I guess you could call it a God-shaped hole. So, I came to a place where I decided to climb that stairway to heaven and let Jesus take the wheel. And ultimately, uh, hey, let go and let God. I'm still a bit new to it, too. Forgive me if I don't always get the details perfect. So, Gavin basically gets up there and regurgitates every popular Christian saying and catchphrase that community preachers have spewed into the ethos in the last decade, and he convinces most of the people in the room that he is really a believer. And the looks on their faces when he was saying this, I mean, when he said, so I let Jesus take the wheel, and that one woman, she like sighs and puts her hand on her chest i'm like are you kidding me does nobody else realize what he's doing and this won't be the last time and then gavin launches into some hamlet because you know he's a real actor (laughs) i have never once done an audition for any kind of play where i didn't use the material for that play I'm pretty sure that when I got the role of Jim Hawkins in Treasure Island, if I walked up there and was like, to be or not to be, that is the question. And they'd be like, what are you doing? Read the read the script, you moron. This isn't a professional operation. This is... These people don't know what they're doing. But anyways, anyway, everyone is blown away. Later that night, the uptight Kelly is with the pastor... She's his daughter, by the way, and they decide that Gavin is the best choice to play Jesus. Well, it was between him and somebody that resembles a Mr. Potato Head, so I I can see why. Uh, But Kelly is not happy about it, because she thinks it will bring too much attention to Gavin and give Gavin a big head. But the pastor's like, honey, you know that community churches do what we do to bring attention to ourselves and away from God. He's perfect. I feel like that wasn't the line. It was real close, though. It was real close. (laughs) Is this where you started getting cranky in the movies, Zach? No, I just put that in there because it was funny. That was a funny thing that I just said. And Kelly was not able to argue with that logic, so she reluctantly agrees to give Gavin the role. First night of rehearsal, Gavin is approached by Anthony a member of the church who helps with the youth program 
uh, uh, SWAT. It's an acronym. I don't know. Community churches really like acronyms. Uh, he's also one of Gavin's biggest fans, as seen by the shirt he is wearing with Gavin's childhood photo on it. Turns out that Anthony is playing Peter and offers to run lines or get pizza with the self-absorbed actor. But Gavin pays little attention to Tony as he gets ready for the first scene of the play. Okay, so that first night, they're recreating the scene where Jesus calms the storm, but Gavin keeps trying to draw attention to himself, which annoys the uptight Kelly. And Kelly tells Gavin that Jesus was all about humility, a fact that Gavin just cannot wrap his head around the first time that he hears it. And after the rehearsal, Gavin tries and fails to get Kelly to notice him. She just doesn't have time for Gavin because she needs to deliver a stuffed animal one of her students left behind so they can go to sleep. And I'll be honest with you, at first, I really hated that excuse. But then I thought back to all the other horrible movies we've watched. And I will say that at the very least, I'm happy it was original. Because... You sound different. Yeah. In, in, in a normal movie like this, she would have to go because she was running late for dance rehearsal. So... True. I'm just super happy that it was a stuffed animal and not dance rehearsal. Dance rehearsal's not mentioned once in this entire movie, which makes it original, more original, even with the contrived plot that we've seen 400 times before. They don't mention dance, re dance rehearsal, so they are a, a, a unicorn in that respect. But as uh, Kelly drives away, three other guys were watching Gavin strike out and reach out to the failed actor. They've all tried and failed to hit it off with Kelly. And one of the guys was even a former Quaker. So, you know, if the Quaker couldn't get a date with Kelly, what chance does Gavin have? <laughs> they all go over to Doug's garage for some fellowship and to talk about why no one can get with Kelly. Doug, by the for way... Little, for a little tease, this is the very best part of the movie coming up right here. Doug, by the way, is a former outlaw biker, but since he found Christ, he's all about working as a mechanic in his family. Soon, all the guys get excited because a medium pizza was delivered for five grown men to split. <laughs> <laughs> to smash. To smash. They're going to smash. smash. Yeah. Oh, but no, they're going to smash that. But Doug asked Gavin to pray it up before they crush this <laughs> Zaw crush that that's right best part of the movie right here at first gavin is reluctant but he musters up his courage and tells all the guys to take a knee <laughs> you know what i was laughing about that but i'm sure this is what the contemporary christian movement is really like like you have some 35 year old dude with just a bunch of teenage guys and he's like all right guys gather around we're going to crush this Zaw in just a moment, all right? But first, we need to take a knee and thank JC for this Zaw. All right, who's going to do it? Trevor? Trevor? You haven't done it in a while, bro. You going to do it this time? All right, bro. All right, take a knee, close your eyes. Let's listen up. Shut them peepers. Go ahead. But at first, Gavin is reluctant. And he tells guys to take a knee. And then he just quotes lines directly from Braveheart, which was <laughs> actually pretty funny. I enjoyed this. He says, Dear God, as we head into battle each day, we know it will not be easy. But uh, even though our enemies, like the devil, may try to take our lives, they'll never take away our freedom. 
And thank you for this glorious feast of cheese and bread, pizza and fellowship. Amen. And what I liked about this is Doug and the Quaker kind of catch on to what Gavin's doing and keep giving incredulous glances. But Anthony, who is Gavin's biggest fan, is just mm, his way through this prayer. Just mm-hmm, mm. I love those mm's when we pray. During the pizza crushing, Gavin learns a few things about Kelly. Number one, she is the pastor's daughter and runs the Christian ministry and stage productions. You know, all those usual ministries that churches have. Also, she is totally sold out to Jesus. There's only room in her life for one man, and that man's J.C. Yeah. The Quaker even dressed up like Jesus at a church event and then tried to woo Kelly in Aramaic. And if that's not going to win over her heart, what will? Nothing. Nothing. Gavin Ugh. then decides that he is going to play the part of a Christian to get Kelly's attention. That night he goes home and Googles Christian etiquette and how Christians dress. And then the next scene was probably my biggest belly laugh of the entire film. <laughs> because this actually really good rap song plays as Gavin is sticking some bumper stickers onto his truck. One reads, Jesus is my co-pilot. And the other is the uh, uh, stereotypical ichthus or Jesus fish on the back of his blue truck. And then the camera zooms out and Gavin is just strutting into that church building Sunday morning in a pair of khakis and a tucked in light blue short sleeve button up shirt, rocking a church approved <laughs> side part hairdo. And he just goes in there like he's owns the place. And he I nailed it on every aspect. And this was a great scene. That's like my, my Sunday morning uniform. So I couldn't help but laugh at that. So. So he goes through uh, the motions of what he thinks a Christian should act on Sunday morning, just whispering the word blessings to everyone he meets, and he makes his way into Peace the auditorium. He finds a seat next to uh, the Quaker and Anthony, and he's just shocked, as am I, when a rock band starts playing. You know, yes. how all churches begin. And then everyone is standing. Did anyone else like feel awkward? Yeah, I felt like... feel awkward as he was to, walking in? I tried to leave the auditorium. <laughs> yeah. I tried to leave the auditorium. <laughs> then I had to remember that it was a movie and I was in a safe place. But the rock star or the rock band starts playing. Everyone's standing and clapping and dancing horribly. And Gavin's getting into it. Then the communion's passed around and, and Gavin grabs himself a handful of wafers. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. That was that was good. I liked that. Yeah, but I've seen it before. Every every time you want to do a fish out of water scene in a church, you do something with the communion where they take too much, or they take money out of the collection plate, or whatever. It, it's just it's been done over and over and over again. Could you imagine the Could you imagine the big wafers that they break in half if you would just like pick one of those up and take a bite out of it and put it back in? My dad, when he was younger, he was passing communion, and there was some lady, some visitor there, and she took the whole wafer off the plate and uh -huh. put it in her purse <laughs> and he was like well what do i do now gavin it's hilarious because he grabs handfuls of wafers he doesn't know what he's supposed to do with that communion and then after the pastor gets finished with his bible free sermon gavin goes home and takes a nap the next night at rehearsal gavin comes in full jesus costume 
Afterwards, the guys come to him for some acting advice, which he sincerely gives. But Kelly brings her bad attitude and tells Gavin that she or that he is needed on the stage, so the acting lesson is over. Later on, Gavin set up a rig so they could do a literal ascension for the end of the movie, or the end of the play. <laughs> when the rope slips and Gavin falls to the ground and Kelly just puts an end to it, reasonably, Gavin asks Kelly what her problem is. And you can tell that Gavin is really trying, but Kelly insists that Gavin is still not getting the humility of Jesus down. And she's upset at her antics because this is her play! Yeah, somebody else had a hard time with humility as well. Kelly is also growing as a Christian as she deals mm -hmm. with Gavin here. I think she needs to watch Passion of the Christ a few more times. She needs to get it. Get the Passion of the Christ. Now available on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> That night, Gavin and his dad bond over a Bulls game while Kelly and her pastor father have a chat. Kelly tells her dad that she's upset that Gavin is trying to add certain elements to the play that she didn't come up with. She ironically says the line, and I quote, You'd think this was a rock concert and not a church production. I'm going to let that <laughs> sentence resonate just for a minute. The community church play leader said, You'd think this is a rock concert and not a church production. Yeah, it's silly because they only have the rock concerts on days of worship. Right. And, and I love it. We see this happen almost every one of these movies we watch. I love it when contemporary Christianity says things that are so very true without meaning them. Or without meaning to say it. Mm -hmm. They probably wouldn't define their guitar. Yeah, they wouldn't define their rock band as a rock band. I understand Correct. that. The pastor suggests <laughs> that Kelly make Gavin her partner and use his experience. The next day, Gavin is sitting in the church's lounge when Kelly comes by with a hearing-impaired little girl who's going to be waving a palm branch in the play, and Kelly's amazed when Gavin starts talking to the girl in sign language. Turns out he learned how to sign for a Hallmark movie he did. Okay, movie. I see what you did there. Fine. <laughs> Kelly, for a brief moment, shows that she likes Gavin, but she locks down those emotions tighter than her ponytail. She tells Gavin if he would just learn his role and work hard to get the production back on track, then she would be open to his ideas. Which, as we all know, is the best management style. Just tell your subordinates if you do exactly what I want, then I'll listen to your ideas as long as they are what I want. But Gavin agrees. And then we move on to the obligatory soft Christian rock song montage. We see Gavin and Doug going over set designs, Gavin helping paint, Gavin fiddling with the lights, Gavin going to church. There's a touching moment when Gavin falls asleep on the couch with his Bible open and his dad comes in and tucks his son in. Then, after that moment, the montage is still going on and Gavin is teaching Sunday school dressed as Jesus and being tackled by children and then... Gavin is putting the set up with the help of Doug, the Quaker, and Anthony. And finally, the set is built as the montage comes to an end. Gavin looks at his time card and sees he has just over 52 hours left. Then he asks Kelly to go get some pizza, and Kelly actually agrees. On their date that Gavin said was not a date, but is totally a date, Kelly talks about past dating experiences she had, because this is perfect for a date. When you take a girl out, children, listen. Take a girl out, talk all about your dating experience in the past. That's what they want to hear about. 
But, for example, she was told by a boy's mother on the first date that God told her that Kelly was going to be her daughter-in-law. I should note that at this point in the movie, Kelly has literally let her hair down. This is the first time that we see her without the world's tightest ponytail. Gavin then asks Kelly why she doesn't have a boyfriend, but Kelly makes Gavin say why he's single first. That's easy, says Gavin. I'm a petulant narcissist with intimacy issues stemming from a robbed childhood where my every whim was met with instant gratification back to you. While personally, I was left shocked that the writer of this movie had the gall to plagiarize my old online dating profile, Kelly does take her turn. (laughs) Appreciate your honesty. That does describe you incredibly well, having known you all these years. Except for the instant gratification part. It turns out that Kelly was engaged at one point to the church's not-rock-band rock-band music leader. But a few weeks before the marriage, he moved to Nashville with another girl. A crushed Kelly coped with the pain by throwing herself into her work, but it's okay, because she can still be, and I quote, breezy. Hmm. Have you ever used that word? No. To describe yourself? Never. Feel like I would only discri- use that word if I was like wearing a kilt. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Gavin wants to see this claimed breeziness, so he challenges Kelly to tell a joke. Gavin shows how it's done. He says, "So a guy walks into a doctor's office and he says, Doc, you're gonna have to help me. I have this horrible Twitter addiction.' The doctor says, "Sorry, I'm not following you. Good night, everybody." <laughs> Oh, wait, sorry. It's not over yet. <laughs> Kelly then tells a joke that perpetually makes Scott laugh every time he hears about it about a Kleenex I love and some these jokes. About a Kleenex. Can I tell this joke? About a Kleenex and some mucus. Go ahead, Scott. How do you make a Kleenex dance? How, Scott? You put a little boogie in it. <laughs> And I agree with her 100%. That is a good joke. And I agree with Gavin 100%. It is a joke. (laughs) Luke, you're the deciding factor. Good joke or a joke? It's a a good joke. Of all the jokes Uh, in the world, Scott. It's been said so many times. Of all the jokes in the world, Scott, it's one of them. Uh, then That's she admits joke. to being intense because she cares about what she's doing, and she, and she is worried that people are watching and waiting for her to mess up. Gavin tells her that he can relate, and then says the church puts her on a pedestal. If she admitted to mistakes, it would actually be beneficial. But she doesn't know about that, because it was smart and Gavin said it. But she did enjoy uh, the not date. When Gavin gets home, he tries to talk to his dad about his evening, but his dad is... is just really still and hard to talk to. His dad said he doesn't know how to give advice. All he has is a big old mess of an empty house that he's trying to fix up. And Gavin turns to walk away, and he says, You're right, it is a mess. But it's not empty. And I vomit a little bit in my mouth. You weren't touched by that moment? No. The prodigal son has come home. No. And he's trying... To get back in the good graces of his father. No. <laughs> See, the dad did not meet him, did not meet Gavin with the fatted calf. No. In the next scene, Gavin and Kelly are at the studios of AM316, 
the way. <laughs> what kind of radio station is AM three sixteen? The one There's no that's three sixteen on your dial. The one that's pandering to the Christian audience. They're gonna go. Oh, that's like John. There's no three sixteen. Uh huh. John three sixteen. John three sixteen is there. That's why they did it, Scott. John three sixteen. Get it? It's the joke. Ha 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 I, ha 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 ha. I got ha, it, ha. but I went to look for it on my radio. Why would you and do that? Got stuck why, at six hundred. You live in southeastern Ohio. Why would you go on your radio station and try to pick up an AM station from the middle of nowhere, Illinois? But if there's three sixteen there, there's three sixteen here. I'm gonna three sixteen you in the head. <laughs> I liked it. Anyways, AM three sixteen the way is the best, <laughs> and I say that because they spell it W A A Y. The it is the best Christian radio station of Masonville, Illinois, which I imagine hey, was a really real hard niche to carve out there. If it was going to be the way, it should have been fourteen six. <sighs> no one would have gotten that though. Yes, right. this movie was like really corny and cheesy, but I enjoyed all the cheese. It wasn't because it bad. was like it was obviously trying to be cheesy. But that's fine. But can we just admit that the person that interviewed them is the worst person that I've ever seen on screen? <laughs> Oh, horrible. He's an obese, red-headed man with bulging eyes, a violently bright Hawaiian shirt, and even his name was horrible, Wayne Wayne McCusker. And I apologize (laughs) to any of our listeners named Wayne McCusker. That's a terrible name. Hey, was he one of the kids off the Partridge family? What in the world is the Partridge family? You don't know what the Partridge family is? You were so not 1970s. I was born in 1991. <laughs> if this guy asked you to do an interview, no, about I would, the righteous, would you do it? I, if I could do it over the phone, I didn't have to look at him. Oh man, that wow. wouldn't be any fun. But he begins the interview by forcing Gavin to say his childhood catchphrase: "Don't look at me." <laughs> And then he insists on calling Gavin his character name from when he was a child, Cliffy, the entire time. Gavin, meanwhile, is trying to get the attention onto Kelly and the production, but Jabba is just not taking the hint. <laughs> That's mean. I don't care. Jabba, we need to say that. First of all, Jabba didn't have any hair. I'm sorry. And it Mick, wasn't red. Right. Mick Jabba is just not taking the hint. <laughs> And I can't say that I'm Irish. But Gavin does end up saying that the play isn't about him. It's about Jesus, and Kelly smiles appreciatively. Back Good at job. Back at rehearsal, they're going through a scene where Jesus forgives a woman caught in adultery. And I will say that at the beginning, I was incredibly shocked with how violently they were tossing that woman to the ground. <laughs> they, they threw her down, didn't they? It looked like that hurt, but then I noticed that there was a pad. There's a knee pad there, so I understand it now. But at first, before I noticed the pad, I was like, that girl has bruises. Like, in real life, not in play world. Yeah. Come on, Dallas, take care of your actresses. How are you supposed to get into character with knee pads? I mean... Right. That's why they literally nailed him to the cross. It looked like they kind of did. That. Back at 
rehearsal, they're going through the scene where Jesus forgives a woman caught in adultery. And Gavin just cannot understand the Lord's motivation here. And the Quaker gets up and begins to explain a very theological explanation of the doctrine of atonement. But he is interrupted when Gavin's manager calls and the former child star rushes off to take the phone call. Jack tells Gavin that he got in touch with the producer of his old show, Mike Mira, who has a career opportunity for Gavin. And if Gavin gets a call from Mr. Mira, he needs to do whatever that man says. And Jack agrees and hangs up the phone. And you were thinking, but this comes out of left field. They were having such a good time. They were almost ready to do the play. Yep, welcome to faith-based movies, folks. <laughs> if there's not an if there's not a, 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 a job opportunity that is just inconvenient to get to are you even watching a hallmark slash christian movie that's a good point <laughs> here trivia question has there ever been a movie like this made christian or hallmark that there hasn't been some crisis of a job that they've had to go to at the end of the movie i'm going back to my theory that they just have a big ball, ball of ping pong ping pong a big bowl of ping pong balls with different names and occupations on it and they're like, okay, we got the basic script. He's doing something. Something comes up. They go. They come back. Okay, ping pong balls. Who are we doing? Oh, a man this time. Gavin Stone. Okay, what? what is he? Ring, ring, ring. A supermarket clerk. No, that doesn't work. Let's try again. An actor. Okay. He has the job. Clearly, it's a role. Is he going to go to it? Hollywood. Yeah, but don't worry. He'll come back. Got it. Written it. Where's Dallas. Jenkins, get in here. We hit it. We struck gold. If I was a, a fledgling director trying to get on the map and I was just like wanting to get, uh, you know, my first one under my belt, it's pretty clear that you can't fail with this storyline. So, yeah, that's that's a great point. It is obvious you cannot fail. I you disagree. go anywhere in the world and present this storyline, you're going to be on TV in six months. Go back and listen to some of our Hallmark episodes and see which one's got passing grades. You'll see that you can't <laughs> fail with this storyline. So after this phone call, Gavin goes back on stage and is still struggling to understand humility. So Kelly tells him to go to Doug's garage at 9 in the morning. There's an opportunity for him to learn a thing or two. Gavin shows up at the garage early the next morning. They fix up a car, clean it inside and out. And when it's done, Kelly shows up and gives the keys to the car to a needy woman. Gavin asks Doug why he doesn't go over there, and Doug says he doesn't want the credit, which makes Gavin think, and goes, huh, so that's what it means to be humble. Because, you know, you can't read a dictionary and figure this out. The next day, <laughs> in the pastor's office, Gavin is told that he has fulfilled all 200 hours of community service. Gavin thanks him for the second chance and tells him to pray for a full house for the play that weekend. Dress rehearsals are underway, and Doug, or before dress rehearsals one night, Doug, the Quaker, and Anthony give Gavin a gift. A crucifix necklace made out of the same nails they used in the church's construction. No, my problem with that is, is it's a modern construction glass and steel building. I don't know if you've been around many modern buildings of that type. There's not a nail in that building. It might be somewhere. This was the old building, you know, before they did the the, the yeah. addition. Yeah, back when it was a church, back when it was the Lord's Church, and they tore it down and built up this rock concert venue. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> in, 
Gavin is touched by the gift, but then he says, stop it, and the gift doesn't touch him anymore. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's touched as the gift, as he should be. And the rehearsal goes great. And Kelly asks Gavin to stop by her house for some coffee and costume alterations. And I think we all know what that <laughs> means. What? Yeah. What? What happened here? <laughs> that's that's my new hey. favorite euth- euphemism ever: coffee and costume alterations. That was um. Of all girl. the of all the things she could have do, been doing, uh, I wonder if he just snuck that in there. He's like, you know, I can't put anything truly dirty in here, so we're just going to sneak this one in. Why would she be doing costume alterations at her house? It just, uh... <laughs> but uh, predictably, as soon as that invitation comes, Mike Mira calls and offers Gavin the role of a druggie on a show he's producing. But... If Gavin wants this role, he needs to be in L.A. in 24 hours. Because that's how all of these movies work. Not only are there conflicting job opportunities, but they're conflicting job opportunities that must be accepted within the 24 hours of the call. There is... (laughs) I... 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 That... that, No. I don't think that's typical for... Even in an emergency, it can't be typical. I don't think that's typical for any job ever. If I got called one day to be like, Zach, we want you to be uh, the preacher down here, uh, and uh, we need you to start in 24 hours, I'd be like, no! I got stuff to do! You can't just do that to me! What's wrong with you? He had he had that whole crew set up, all his camera stuff. That whole set was set up. He's like, oh, what else do I need? Oh, a main actor. Uh, I'll call this guy and have him here in 24 hours. Because if I know anything about Hollywood productions, they don't hire the cast until... The day before production starts. <laughs> uh, but no, at this point, I I decided... I did watch the rest of the movie, but I, I realized that I didn't need to watch the rest of this movie because, as I've said, <laughs> I have seen this movie play out 500,000 times before. Hey, you know what's cool, though? They kept you right to the end. They really didn't. Gavin drives to <laughs> Kelly's house. <laughs> Gavin, because seriously, if you didn't think about turning it off in the first ten minutes, you were hooked. I, no, that's not true. I was watching this. Junkie. I was watching this on Netflix at one point five speed, and the only thing I wished was that Netflix allowed you to watch movies at two times speed. You clearly didn't take time to appreciate it. It was a funny movie. It was an okay movie. Gavin drives to Kelly's house, where Kelly is heartbroken to hear that Gavin is going to L.A. And Kelly's heartbroken to hear that Gavin's going to L.A. She asks, what kind of Christian can be so selfish? To which Gavin responds, I'm not a Christian, okay? So, you really... uh, So, you really didn't know that? I I didn't think it would go this far. I didn't even know how it happened. I'm like, Gavin, what are you talking about? What? She invited you over for coffee and costume alteration. It would have been different if you had this talk before costume alteration... But she, or after costume alteration, but she cut it before. So you're good. You don't have to explain how it got this far. It didn't go far. <laughs> and then Kelly sadly just tells Gavin to get on the plane and forget about her and the play. 
Gavin goes home and angrily packs his bags when his dad comes in and he implores Gavin to stay, but Gavin just walks out. And then we have the obligatory sad Christian pop song montage that's in every one of these movies. We see, Gar- or we see Gavin staring sadly at the church building before he gets on his plane, then sadly staring out the plane window, then sadly looking at the Hollywood sign from his hotel room. Meanwhile, Kelly is sadly watching TV, then sadly going to bed, then sadly picking up her Bible and putting it back down again, and sadly telling the cast of the play that Gavin is gone, and then the montage is over. The next morning, Gavin is in the makeup chair, getting made to look strung out. He's brought onto a barroom set where he's told to act like he's at his lowest point, desperate for a fix. Mike Mira even tells Gavin that he slipped a little of Gavin's favorite hooch in his glass and ignores Gavin when the actor says that he's clean. All Gavin needs to do for this take is to take a drink on camera, but Gavin refuses to break his sobriety. And instead of, I don't know, filling his glass with iced tea like they did when I played a drunk German when I was acting that in my freshman year in high school, I drink so much iced tea. I hate it now. But... Gavin just leaves, walks off set, and flies back to Illinois because he didn't sign the contract. Because that's how business works. You can go do a full day of acting without signing the contract. As long as you... <laughs> that's how works in Guam. Long- <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do anything in Guam. They're like, ah, sign the contract later. Gavin is the best at not getting jet lagged because he's back in Illinois, right back at the church building, wheeling in his wheelie luggage right off the plane. He apologizes to Kelly with all his heart and tells her that he doesn't want to give up on Christianity yet. And I said, you haven't even started doing Christianity, so uh, maybe find it first and then not give up on it. But I I, I digress. And uh, Kelly forgives Gavin and invites him to play Jesus, which Gavin accepts. It's the day of the big play and the church is packed. Even Gavin's dad comes. The play goes off without a hitch, except Gavin keeps whispering his lines, so now no one in the audience can hear what he's saying, and it's not a, that's not a point in the movie, I just want to point that out, that he whispers the majority of his lines, which as anybody who has ever acted on a stage will tell you, that that is, that is a big no-no. You don't whisper your lines. There's such a thing called a stage whisper, where it can make it sound like you're whispering, but still can be reached in the back of the room. But uh, Gavin just keeps ad-libbing and whispering, which doesn't help anybody. He's mic'd up so they can hear his whispers. Okay, so when he's on... So so by that logic, he's on the cross when he accepts Jesus into his heart. And he's saying... He's not mic'd up. He's, he's not oh, mic'd he's up not on the mic- cross. Mic- he, he doesn't right. have a shirt on. Right. He doesn't have a shirt on to hide the mic. So that's how I know. But the play goes off that a hitch. Gavin, up on the cross, accepts Jesus into his heart. And I I really hope that 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 faith that he finds turned into action and he actually obeys God's command, so he really will be saved. But anyways, I digress. (laughs) And Gavin and his dad lock eyes as the cast is bowing to a standing ovation. And the movie ends as Gavin and Kelly laugh and flirt with each other. And Gavin tells her words that every woman wants to hear. I'm moving back in with my dad. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) And that he's going to become a member of this quote-unquote church. The end.
<sighs> so with that, we move on to our rating. Here at the Rotten Righteous Podcast, we use what is called the SEP scale, which is an acronym, because just like community churches, we here at the Rotten Righteous Podcast love our acronyms. And SEPS is a Greek word that basically means stinky snake. So you have that. And uh, Is that where septic comes from? Yes, it is. Excellent. And uh, these, which I think fits our podcast perfectly. Indeed. <laughs> it's, it's the SEPS podcast. <laughs> and what we do is we now rank each thing we watch on a... Four, in four categories, each worth 25 points. And then we add all those points up at the end, and we get our percentage out of 100, and then we give it a letter grade. So without further ado, let's move on to the first sigma of our SEPS scale, scriptural accuracy. Was this film scripturally accurate? Scott. I feel in a lot of areas this movie missed the boat on scriptural accuracy. Um, there's obviously, there's obviously more that could have been taught about salvation. So yeah, I gave him eight. I gave him eight on that. I mean, there's a lot of things that were just disappointing. I thought, but there was a smidge of accuracy, particularly in two or three of the scenes. So Scott gave it an eight. Luke, what did you give it? I gave it a, uh, 15. Because I agree, there's some issues on uh, some of the doctrinal stuff that's in here. But you know, overall, I thought they included a lot of the Bible stories, and they didn't they didn't butcher anything terribly. Um, that Braveheart prayer just I got five extra points for me, <laughs> so fifteen. Yeah, I uh, gave it a fifteen too. Um, you just want to be like me? No, I wrote these down don't beforehand because you yelled at me last time. Uh, I gave it a fifteen. But yeah, if your church acts like the church here, like the musical instruments and stuff, it's too much. It's it's not cool. Uh, but I, I'll tell you what made it the 15 is, yes, they told the stories of Jesus fairly accurate. Um, but the cross, I love it. I, I'll give I'll give five extra points to any any movie that has the nails of Jesus going through his, his wrists, which in the Greek is part mm-hmm. of his hand. Uh, and so... Yeah, so we'll leave it uh, at fifteen. Uh, Scott, entertainment value. What do you give? I it? gave that a twenty. I I did enjoy yeah. this movie. Hey Luke, me next. Luke, what is your calling me? What's your entertainment value score? I gave it a twenty-one. Okay. Actually, twenty-one. Great. Because I uh, I I really enjoyed this movie. Thought it was great. Loved all the cheesiness. Mm-hmm. And a lot uh, of cheese. You know, because it was it was it was intentionally cheesy, and I liked it. And as a uh, fellow church goer i could relate to a lot of it right bands and um not using the bible what Hmm? (laughs) (laughs) okay i i gave it a 16 it 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 is the best movie with this storyline that we've watched yeah it's not saying much i wasn't that entertained parts of it were funny everybody was good actors dallas jenkins is clearly a talented director it deserves a 16. That's what I gave it. Scott, parental control. I, did, other than the cookies in the wardrobe, there's there's really coffee. none. <laughs> the cookies. The coffee. Come on over for coffee. Um, I'm going to give it a, a 22. 
Okay, Luke. I don't think the wardrobe thing was even intended to be. I know. Unless you had dirty minds like us, like I don't think that uh, you know anyone would think anything of it. So uh, I give it a twenty-four. Okay, I gave it a twenty-two as well, only because, and I took points off because there's a lot of references to drug use and alcohol and things like that that younger kids don't need to be uh, influenced by or see. Um, and with that, Scott, should you watch it? I gave it. Uh, I gave it a fifteen. Okay. I tried to think of something that was kind of like right in the middle. All right, Luke. What was your should you? Watch um, I, I gave it a twenty. I, uh, I, I don't know if I'd show it to like somebody who like I wanted to introduce to the church necessarily, but um, other than that, I can't think of anyone who I wouldn't watch this with. So twenty. I gave it a five. What? I gave it a five. I'm give you a purple nurple. I'll, I'll tell you why I gave it five. It got five points because there was a few jokes in it that made me laugh. Other than that, it is the same movie that you can watch at any time on Netflix or on Hallmark Channel. The exact same movie. And if there's one thing Matter- in life you hate, Zach. <laughs> It's that same exact movie. Well, it's just it's. I want originalness. I want. There's no hey, you, originality. You nailed it. You nailed it when you texted me. You said, "Is this how it is?" Exactly. Well, I mean, close. why would I want to watch a movie that I know what's going to happen by the halfway point? Oh shoot! Hey, sixty-eight. Sixty-eight, which yep. means that it scored one percent lower than the octopus movie from last week oh that's you did that on purpose with your five how yeah how can i do that on purpose i don't know what you guys are gonna rate these stupid things you you gave your last score last you could have done the math that quick and figured out how do i sink this ship yeah hey luke you're giving him a way 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 lot more credit than he deserves there Hey, to quote Zach Geiler in about the third week of preaching school, I didn't come here to do no math. (laughs) And we gave it a 68. Is that what you said? Yes. Which means, well, this movie scored a 68%, which means that it got a C+. And as always, we use Carleton University's grading scale. Go Ravens. (laughs) (laughs) and finally we got to move on to what we are going to watch next week and for those of you who are listening to us you know that we are one of the few podcasts that have not sold out and covered true crime well i don't know about you but i'm ready to sell out Uh, But uh, for the next few weeks, we will be reviewing the brand new, as of this recording, it came out yesterday, 2021 Netflix docuseries, Murder Among the Mormons. This thing has my two favorite things, murder and Mormons. So I am pumped. It is a three-part documentary, so we're going to give each part its own week because content, and it means I don't have to plan things for three weeks. Let's read the synopsis. Murder Among the Mormons is the first comprehensive look at one of the most shocking crimes to have ever taken place among the Mormon community. 
and the criminal mastermind behind it all. The three-part documentary series, directed by Jared Hess, famous for directing Napoleon Dynamite, and Tyler... What? Yeah. Well, and it makes sense because Napoleon Dynamite was made by a bunch of BYU alumni. He, he is a Mormon. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he's a Mormon, but he's never been morted. Scott, we need... <laughs> Me and Luke need to have a conversation with you about your or about your future here at the podcast. <laughs> Again? <laughs> Directed by Jared Hess from Napoleon Dynamite and Tyler Meesum from An Honest Liar. And examines a trio of bombings in 1985 that killed two people and shocked Salt Lake City. The murders send further shockwaves through the community when a trove of early Mormon letters and diaries are found are found destroyed in the vehicle of the third victim. A renowned collector of rare documents, including the infamous White Salamander Letter, an artifact whose contents threaten to shake the very foundations of Mormonism, as he fights for his life, investigators race to uncover the truth. But without further ado, let's watch this trailer. The only way to keep a secret between two people is to kill one of them. It's kind of true. The state of Utah has long been the home of the Mormons. I love the gospel with all my heart. They are driven by history, and they want to preserve documents. Mark Hoffman found document after document. First editions, history, Americana, worth $1.5 million. He was a rock star. Religion sometimes breeds amongst people some extremes. The first explosion ripped through a downtown office building, killing one man. The second explosion outside of a holiday home claimed another life. Panic began to ensue because two bombs suggest a serial killer. Then the shock came. There are very expensive documents in the automobile. This is an original? Yes, this is an original copy. The Salamander letter gave a far different story of the church's roots. Instead of God and angels, now it's salamanders and magic. Best material was potentially devastating. People who wanted to protect the church didn't want this document to come to light. There's a speculation the church was trying to acquire it in order to suppress it. Everyone's a suspect. What do you think about lying for the Lord? It just started snowballing. Machine guns. Bombs. We all should have suspected. Secrets just can't be kept. That's going to do it for this episode of Rotten or Righteous. I'm Zach Geiler. I'm Scott Judge. And I'm Joseph Smith. <laughs> uh, remember to obey your prayers and o obey your prayers and say your parents. Obey your prayers. That's some sound advice right there. Hey. You should obey your prayers, I suppose. Hey, remember. As long remember as to say ones, your prayers. Remember, they're brave heart. 
Remember to say your prayers. Remember to get down one knee and toss one up to JC for you smash your pizza. And uh, <laughs> and obey your parents. But before we go, hey, Scott. Yes, Zach. There's this three-legged dog who walked into an old West saloon. And he, he limps over to the okay. bar and looks the bartender in his eye and says, I'm looking for the feller who shot my paw. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> I liked that joke. Oh, I thought shit. it was cute. <laughs> We sometimes realize like how strange some of the things we do would be to somebody who just like walked in off the street had no background in Christianity whatsoever. I actually thought this movie did a pretty good job at, at uh, like kind of showing how awkward stuff would be if it's not explained to people. And I agree, but I also think they accidentally did a really good job of showing how just utterly strange the community church movement is. It's not that. <laughs> it's like it's they, not that. They, it's like they went back to the late '90s, grabbed the vernacular, and were like, "Hey, we're not going to open Bibles, but we're going to feel real righteous about this, right, bros? All right, bro, let's do this. Let's rock it out, Trevor. Trevor. Trevor's my man. Trevor, you want to do some praying? All right. You know what? You talk to JC. <laughs> but you talk to JC, bro. You got this. All right. Let go. Let God. All right. Let's do this. But it's supposed to be funny. Like, I feel like their characters are, are designed intentionally to be funny. Not necessarily, you know, not serious. Like, uh, no, I like know. that's necessarily the lingo that you're going to find in those churches. But it is. I've watched their online live streams during COVID. But it is. You guys, you guys ever pray with somebody? All of a sudden you go, mm, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 pray yeah, for those sick, pray for those sick. There was that makes a, me pray longer, more there, vigorously. There was a guy at, at, at my last place that did that. I, I won't say his name, but he, he was all about, Dear God, please be with the sick. Oh, yes, Jesus, please be with those sick. And uh, thank you for for this day that you've given us to come to worship. Mm, this day that you've given us, bright and sunny. Yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, bright and sunny. It's wonderful. <laughs> and please be with Zach as he delivers our lesson. I hope he gets fired and gets hit by a car. I hate that guy. I hate him so much. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of times uh, I walked in my church building and saw them holding auditions. This probably happens in a lot of a lot of churches do like Easter plays and stuff. I know, and a lot of people are going to go to hell on Judgment Day. So, <laughs> <laughs> boom. <laughs> <laughs>